summer of 1991, I took off in my 1980 Pontiac Firebird, headed off to the University of North Texas. I was scared, terrified a bit. In fact, I drove away. Uh, I held it together until I got in the car and was driving off, and then I started to cry because I was a bit terrified, but at the same time quite excited about what would be ahead, the great adventure of heading off to college. And these kind of thoughts hit me every once in a while, but I don't know why this time it hit me more than ever. I'm old enough to be the father of these students. Oh, maybe you're all like that. I always think I'm young, you know? Even when I look in the mirror and I see all my gray, I still think I'm young. And then it hit me, Macy's only three years away from being up on this stage. And I got started a little late, didn't get married till I was 27. We didn't have Macy till I was 30. And so I'm easily old enough to be the father of these students that are heading off now. And that's maybe made me a little bit more anxious, just that thought uh, for you all. This past Wednesday night at Reconnect, we're doing this art of parenting class. And the lesson from this past Wednesday night was preparing for mission. Preparing your students, your kids, to live on mission with Jesus. Uh, Psalm 127, that children are a gift from the Lord. They are arrows, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. The idea with an arrow is that you prepare it and you get it ready, but one of these days you got to let it go. And was just hit with just three years from now, we'll be letting one go. So being as old as I am, 45, 46 here in a few weeks, I've been around a bit, but I don't want you to hear me in light of what I have to say. I want if you will, to listen to what the Word of God has to say, not just to these students, but to every one of us this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy. Maybe you've heard me say before, if I was pressed, Mitch, what's your favorite book of the Bible? It's 2 Timothy. And part of the reason why is it's an old man to a younger man. It's a man who is passing off the scene to a younger man who's just really coming on it. And certainly, while I'm not passing, I hope not, and nor are your parents anytime soon, nor are the spiritual influences that you've had in your life, you are, in a sense, heading off, separated from those who have had such an influence upon your life. And it's a decisive moment. It's a crucial moment, meaning there's a crux. You can go one way or the other. And so, if I can, from God's Word, I want to challenge you all who are heading off to college, but I want all of us to listen well because this is the Word of God, and I think it applies to all of us anywhere that we are. First of all, 2 Timothy chapter 3, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul sets the stage by saying to Timothy, realize this, in the last days difficult times will come. 
For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. That sounds like any college campus around the country. Sounds like everywhere you and I go. That's what it's going to be like in a culture surrounded by people who do not share your values. And what does Paul encourage Timothy to do in the midst of that? Verse 14. Start in 13, evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. When you step onto the campus, when you and I step out into the world every day, there are two roads that lie in front of us, Jesus said. One is wide. And many there are who take that road, and it leads to a life of great, great regret. But narrow is the path, and few there are who take it, but it leads to life. Growing up in your home with your parents, being here at Redeemer Community Church and the other places you may have been, that taught you the ways of God continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. Secondly, this comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me, Paul said, in suffering for the sake of the gospel. The temptation for all of us in the midst of an unbelieving world is to grow ashamed of Jesus Christ, ashamed of his word, ashamed of the gospel. Your faith will be called into question at every turn on a college campus. You will be considered a fool to follow him, that you would believe that, that you would live that, that you would value that, if you will remain faithful, you will have to suffer. You'll lose friends, you'll lose opportunities. Paul is encouraging young Timothy. So um, tempted as we all are to grow quiet and to give up, he's urging him, don't do it. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, Paul who now writes 13 of our New Testament letters, and he writes things and calls you and I to believe things and internalize things 
and live things that are contrary to the ways of this world. They're not hip. They're not happening. They're not hot. They're not cool. They're not in. You are a fish swimming upstream to follow Christ faithfully. You will be tempted. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Number three, this comes from 2 Timothy 3 as well. Going back to the verse earlier, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation which is in Christ. In a phrase, young men and young women and all of us, remember the faith influencers in your life. Because again, on the college campus, your faith will be challenged intellectually. And your flesh will be tempted morally. And you will think about throwing it all away. Jesus in Matthew, or in Mark chapter 4, talked about the seed which is, sown, um, which is sown on the rocky soil. And it pops up. And it grows up quickly. But then yet, when persecution and affliction arise because of the word, it falls away. When you hold to that there is a God who created all things. It will fly in the face of so much of what you'll learn on a college campus. When you hold to that there are moral absolutes, that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong because there is a God who is himself holy, that will fly in the face of a relativistic college campus that says anything goes. When you hold that Jesus Christ is God's only Son, and that in Him and in Him alone is the forgiveness of sins found, and in Him and Him alone can one have eternal life, that will fly in the face of everything you will learn on a tolerant for everything except Christianity college campus. And before you throw it all away, think about those who led you. Continue, Timothy, in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood. Who does he have in mind? He mentioned them in chapter 1 his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice who knew God and had taught him the word of God. And he probably has himself in mind as well. So Lois and Eunice and the Apostle Paul who had shared the gospel with him and who had taught him the word of God. And Paul is urging upon Timothy, 
when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when you, are, when you must continue in these things, remember those who led you and who spoke the word of God to you. Hopefully you can call to mind your parents who faithfully have walked with Jesus Christ. And when you're tempted to throw it all away, you say, you know what? Mom and daddy know Jesus. They've followed Jesus. And I think they're great. Or maybe you call to mind Jared and Lauren Coulter, who so poured their lives into you. And you're thinking about giving it away and giving it up and quitting. You think about them. And you go, what a man. And what a woman. They follow Jesus. Maybe it's Craig and Mary. Or maybe it's any of the volunteers, the men and women who poured themselves into you on those Wednesday nights and those Sunday mornings. Or maybe it's another campus ministry leader. Think about the men, the women, the faithful men and women of Christ who have built themselves into you and prayed for you and longed for you. The author of Hebrews said it like this, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. I'm going to squeeze this one into the application, but this one's for all of us as well. I want, I want you to remember some names that you're not going to remember. William Lane Craig and Nancy Piercy and John Lennox and Stephen Meyer and Holly Ordway and Amy Orr Ewing and men and women like them. Who are they? They are some of the smartest individuals you've ever met in your life. They are Christian men and Christian women who we would call Christian apologists who are educated who are sharp and who think about these things deeply. And they believe in God and in Jesus and in salvation that has come our way through him. You can find all of them online. When you're in class and you're thinking about throwing it away because that professor seems so convincing Believe me, there are men and women defending the faith who I'd love for you to remember. Number four, this comes from 2 Timothy 2. Find some good friends. In 2 Timothy 2.22 Paul urges upon young Timothy, now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Paul seems to know that living the Christian life all alone is hard and fleeing sin and pursuing righteousness isn't always easy. And you need some help. You need some Friends, you need to do that with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And how sad it is 
of Christian men and women, young and old, who don't have any friends, cheering them on and helping them in the fight of faith. Again, the other night, we learned some great stuff at the Art of Parenting. We talked about friends that are, some of them are assets and some of them are liabilities. And I want to share something about it that was very helpful to me. Of course, asset friends, those are the friends that you and I have that are assets to us. They encourage us. They comfort us. They spur us on to be better men, to be better women. They help us. They pull us up rather than drag us down. That's what a liability friend is, right? That's someone who pulls you down, who holds you back, who doesn't encourage you to be better, but rather to be worse. One of the things that we learned the other night, which I thought was so good, was be friends with both of those groups. Certainly the friends who you might consider assets, but even those friends you might consider liabilities. Because they need your friendship. They need you to pull them up. They need you to encourage them. They need you to comfort them. But with your liability friends, you have to be careful going to them to confide in them or to ask advice from them. So it was an encouragement for all of us when we think about our friendships to be a friend to as many as we can but to have the discernment when we're confiding in a friend or asking advice from a friend. Solomon said, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools comes to ruin. My old buddy John Bryson put it like this. God has rigged our lives in such a way that we can only live at a high level and stay there with a band of good brothers and sisters around us. Life is best lived in the company of good friends. You're going to meet tons of new friends. Go for it. Build those friendships. They'll help you. Two more very quickly. Make the Bible your book. When you and I go off to college, we read chemistry books and biology books and engineering books and marketing books and economic books and mathematic books and history books and this book and that book and this book and that book. The stack of books will be higher than you could ever imagine. Will you read the book? It's all throughout this letter where Paul encourages Timothy to Retain the standard of sound words to guard through the Holy Spirit the treasure that's been entrusted to him, to be diligent, to show himself approved by God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Preach the word. One of the main themes of this short little letter is the Word of God, the importance of the Word of God. And so to my young brothers and sisters, read your Bible. Here, where, this is where God has made himself known to us.
This is where God has revealed his ways to us. This is where God's will is found. You've heard me quoting before, I, I don't obey it. A fellow named Paul Miller was speaking to a bunch of young college students, and he said to them, read seven chapters of the Bible every day. I'm not trying to be legalistic with you. I just want your heart to sing. I love that. Read seven chapters of the Bible a day. I'm not trying to be legalistic with you. I just want your heart to sing. The implication is, when we read God's word, we learn of him. And that makes your heart sing. Whether you're going through a good time or a hard time. Finally, in some respects, it's your turn. The Apostle Paul was in prison. He was about to die, and he knew it. He was passing off the scene, and Timothy was coming on it. And the, the book of 2 Timothy is the passing of a torch from Paul to Timothy. Now, some of us over the last couple of weeks, we've been fascinated by Matthew Bowling. Y'all know who he is? He's the sprinter at Strake Jesuit High School. Just absolutely phenomenal. Fast kid. Just set a national record in the 100 meters, 10.13. As a high school senior, 10.13 in the 100 meters. And just a couple of weeks ago in the 4 by 400 meter state championship, he got the baton 30 meters behind and won the race on the final lap. He can fly. In those relays, you have a baton, boom, and the first guy goes and he runs. And then when his leg is over, he yells, stick. And he reaches out, and that second guy reaches back and grabs it, and then he runs, stick. The next guy grabs it, and he runs, stick. Second Timothy is Paul to Timothy, stick. He says in chapter 4, But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry, for the time of my departure has come, and I am already being poured out as a drink offering. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Stick. He's run his race, and it's over. And he's passed the baton to Timothy, and it's his turn to run. Well, in some ways, as you take off for college, your parents, Jared and Lauren, Craig and Mary, Andrea, Tara, Christina, Ricky, Chase, Steve, Joey, Mr. Herb, and bunches of others. Stick. It's your turn to run. May you run with faithfulness and with joy. 
And one more. This one doesn't come from 2 Timothy, but it comes from here, all right? I learned this years ago. Bunches of you all learned this years ago. I know Marcus learned this not long ago. In this next season of life, run hard after Jesus. Run hard after him. And here in a few years, maybe a little longer, maybe a little sooner, as you're running hard after Jesus, look beside you and see if there's somebody else running just as hard. And then say, hey, you want to come run together for the next 60 years? He who finds a wife finds a good thing. He who finds a husband finds a good thing too. Solomon didn't say that, but he meant it. it, Maybe it's the last thing on your mind, but it's coming sooner than you think. Run hard for Christ. Then look beside you and find somebody else who's running hard for Christ and say, want to do this together? Let's together run hard for Christ because here's what will kill you. As you run hard for Christ... And then you get somebody with you who ain't running hard for Christ. Oh. You want to follow Jesus, and he wants to get money. He wants to be rich. And the love of money has destroyed more men's ambitions for Christ than you could ever imagine. Or you want to follow Christ. And she wants to follow image. What she looks like and what she can put all around her to make her look just awesome. You want to follow him. And she does. Ugh, that's a killer. I was going to share that. I didn't mean to preach that. But I believe that. So, it's time to go. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these graduating seniors. Oh, the, the, the perseverance they have shown through the ups and downs of junior high and high school. That's a, those are rough waters. And they've made it. And here they are, heading off to the exciting days of young adulthood and college and the opportunities that are just ahead of them. What an opportunity. What a blessing. Might they go with joy in their heart because of Christ, a desire to know him more deeply and to follow him. And might um, these days, these weeks, these months, these years, Find them trusting in you every step of the way. There will be lots of highs and there will be bunches of lows. There will be tons of laughter and there will be tears as they walk across campus on a dark night wondering what in the world is going on in their life. May they keep turning to you. Watch over them, protect them, And Lord, may may these next years just be absolutely fruitful in taking their roots deep. 
into Jesus Christ and the influence they have for the cause of Christ on their campuses and beyond. And we will pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.